Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Welcome back, everybody, to the Common Sense Podcast, episode number 14. My name is Patrick. And I'm Antonia. And we are creeping to Thanksgiving break. Do I have a. A witness out there in these streets. I'm crawling towards it. (laughs) I need it. (laughs) I feel like everybody is crawling. We are just like, this year has felt so long to me. I would definitely agree with that. I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like it, like when I look at the calendar, I realize it's flying by, but I feel every day of every week this year. Like it could be March and I would not be surprised. Like that's how yeah. I Yeah. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that. Any good news this week? Um we are Yeah, no. No. I think making it through another week is good news. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm really struggling with guided reading right now, and that's like the bane of my existence. And so once I get that together, that will be that will be good news. But I mean, like going through each day without any any incidents and the small pieces of progress that they're making, like that that gives you a smile, but nothing huge and significant right now. Okay, keep so, it real. I mean, the, yeah, being honest about it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Keep it real. Um, my good news for this week is I cleaned out my office. So that has been fantastic. Cleaned out my bookshelf, dusted every shelf. Um, I got a library card at the local oh, public Yep, at the local public library. So that was fantastic. Um Whenever people talk about library cards, I always think of the episode of Arthur. He's like, having fun isn't hard when you've got a, library, you got a card. library card. Yeah. Yes. What was the <laughs> name of that episode, though? I don't know. I love a good musical episode of a sitcom slash cartoon. I don't. Like... Yikes. But we've talked about this before. <sighs> Don't ruin it. Uh, like when that's a <laughs> Raven, when that's a Raven had her musical episode, that was fantastic. Um, I just love musicals though. Like that's my joint. I was a huge fan of high school musical, huge fan of like um actually I'm just gonna stop there. Cause the In rainbow case y'all can't tell, I'm not a fan of musicals. <laughs> <laughs> I do not enjoy them. My best friend always tries to drag me to Broadway musicals, and I'm just like, no, no, thank you. I'd rather sit at home on my couch. So musicals are not for me. That's somewhere where we differ. People have been waiting on us to disagree. And here we have it, right? Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you like plays, though? It it, It takes a lot of energy for me to watch them. Well, you don't even like TV. Like, you don't like watching anything, truthfully. I re- yeah, I don't. I don't think mm. I've shared, like, why, though, have I? No. So I've I've always been a reader, but it got to the point where I was watching TV 
all day, every day, like outside of school. And it was, <laughs> I had this old TV growing up where I could like turn the, turn the color down still. Like I, I figured some way to manipulate it where I could turn the color down and it would look like it was off, but I could still hear the sound. Like that's how obsessed I was with TV in elementary. And my mom got sick of it. And one day, unplugged the TV and made me walk with her to a dumpster. And we dropped the TV in the dumpster. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, I was in third grade, I think. We dropped the TV in the dumpster. And from then on, there were only two TVs in the house, in the living room and in her room. And, I mean, I had to ask to go in the living room to watch TV because she was really trying to monitor my consumption, right, of media on TV. And... Though I was still an avid reader, I turned to books even more because I had no choice. Um, and that is why I have difficulty finishing Netflix shows. I cannot sit through a movie hardly. I, yeah, that's why. It's crazy. That, that's incredible, though. It's, like, it's, it was very extreme, but I mean, it served its purpose, right? It did. I think ultimately, like, you love reading? You love books? Like, oh. <laughs> like, what do you say to someone who says, like, my mom threw the TV in the dumpster when I was in third grade? Like, there's no, like, no real response, but. No, there's no real response. Except... <laughs> so I don't have a game this week. <laughs> but dun, dun, dun. I wanted to know. Speaking of TV, before your mom, like, disposed of your, like, you know, TV things, like, were, because I've been spending some time at home this week, um, I've been, like, seeing what kids programming, you know, it's been on, like, daytime TV. I'm wondering, like, what did you watch when you were a kid that, that, that stood out to you? Um, Cyber Chase, I think is what it was called. I really enjoyed Cyber Chase. Yeah. A lot of my stuff is going to be coming from PBS because we didn't have cable, which I shared before. Um, Shout out to PBS. Cyber Chase, which it made math. It presented math in a really fun way. I always, I struggled with math in elementary um, and definitely had developed the identity that math wasn't for me. So seeing it presented in such a fun, engaging way through a, a TV show um, got me excited about a few different math concepts. I enjoyed Arthur, though I always questioned why he never changed his outfit. <laughs> okay. Um, I and I, well. even until, like, it was probably, had I told my friends, it probably would have been socially unacceptable. But, like, all through elementary, I still maybe up until like second grade, I still watched parts of Sesame Street because of the Spanish part on the show. Um, And so I would pick up some of the Spanish words that were shared each week. And I used to write them down and like teach my siblings them. And Supernova. I I really enjoyed Nova, which was like not a child show at all, but it was like science-based and it came on in the evenings and I used to watch that. I love it. I was a fan of Arthur as well. Um, I forgot what came on. Before Arthur came on, though, um, Love Reading Rainbow. Yes. Did you watch that? Yes. 
how revolutionary for a black man to be on television, like reading books to America. Like that is some revolutionary stuff. So love reading Rainbow. (laughs) Love Mr. Rogers. Oh, yes. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. I loved that show. Oh, my goodness. I did. It wasn't until recently. (laughs) It wasn't until recently. So, like, there's this kiddie show now called Daniel Tiger. And it didn't connect until recently that Daniel Tiger was, like, an offshoot of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Because a little tiger in Mr. Rogers. Is he cool, though? I, I cannot confirm or deny that. Okay. That's okay. Um, loved... Well, I don't know. This this was in my era, but I feel like I watched a lot of Schoolhouse Rock. Was it? Aww. Was that my era? Was that? No, I do not no. recall. I, like, I I only remember it because I was showed it at school. Okay, maybe that's why. But I count I count that as something that I watched often. Um, something that we had a lot at the house. I'm just a bill. Yeah, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting up on Capitol Hill. Yeah. You don't, you don't know that? No. What? Oh, oh, you don't know I'm just a bill? I, I do not. I'm so sorry. I, my. <laughs> oh, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> what you're, you're really mind blown right now yes i, I sorry <laughs> what about this one conjunction conjunction what's your function i know that one okay great but you don't know i'm just a bill i'm shocked not. and slightly disappointed sorry i'll be sending you some homework on tonight I want to say okay. I don't want to agree to the homework. But you will. Um, It's just iconic. Um, And then, like, later on, I love, like, you know, well, like, coding Kids Next Door, stuff like that. Out of your, out of Nickelodeon, Disney, Cartoon Network. Oh, no, you said PBS. So I mean, I watched That's So Raven and Spongebob and like I I know the shows, but you don't have a particular favorite network. It would probably honestly be PBS because it like looking back as an adult now, how it makes so much educational content accessible to children who otherwise wouldn't have access to it. Quality. Yeah. And it's quality. It's good stuff. Oh, that's fun. Well, just know the cartoons are not the same in 2018. Arthur still oh, comes no, on, though. Not. Arthur does? Are there new, there's new episodes? Yes. Aw. So, there's still some hope. Oh, wait. There's one more. It was Zaboomafoo. Did you watch that one? Yes. I did. I, I enjoyed that one. Yeah. I did. I don't like the spinoff of it. The Wildcrats brothers, I I do not like that. We use it sometimes in kindergarten, and I don't like how it's not like it's realistic. But I don't know. So. Hmm. Well, 
Moving on. <laughs> Tell us what your favorite childhood uh, TV shows were, and we'll post them. I don't know where, but because <laughs> we don't have a social media. Yikes. <laughs> Maybe we won't post them, but we will interact. Definitely send Antonia. I'm just a bill. Like, plague her page with that. Tag her in it so that she can get familiar with iconic television. Is that a song I can use in kindergarten when I teach money? I'm no, you said bill. Capitol Hill. Yikes. Okay. It's not. <sighs> Boy. Okay. So I have an announcement. Dun, 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 dun. What is it? I got fired from my job. <laughs> How does one respond to that? <laughs> no, but I did. I did. Um, I am here. Well, first, let me start off by saying this. I'm only sharing this because, as with all of the content on Commonsense Podcasts for now 14 weeks, you know, we are sharing, generally sharing our experiences and others' experiences that that have been shared with us and research, like all of the things that we learn and the things that we see and the things that we go through, like we kind of combine that together to talk about things on this podcast. Um, so I want to keep it real, you know, because this is not a... This is not a um a general podcast or a you know just a find something to talk about you know like we talk about yeah. things that we see we talk about things that people tell us we talk about things that we've experienced over the years so I want to let you know that I've been at home <laughs> this because I was terminated in the middle of the year. And I know people are like, oh my God, why? 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 And the <laughs> and um it is because of this podcast. Um, you know, you and I have shared some really bold ideas on yeah. the podcast. We've talked about some things that um, really disrupt the current system of education. We are really reimagining what education, public education can be like for all children, but really the most marginalized children in our country. Um, and I think I can speak for you when I say that, like, you know, education is, you know, a roadmap to freedom, you know, yep. for us. And in order to get to freedom, we got to do some things that are different. And so I was terminated generally because of some ideas that I've shared on this podcast that did not align, allegedly align with school um, values, um, or people didn't agree with the things that were said. So 
for um and I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my kids. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. I didn't get a chance to really wrap anything up. I don't even know how it was messaged to them. I don't know how um it was messaged to parents um it's really traumatizing really when you know when you go back and think about it i cried a little bit i only cried once actually that was the day it happened um because as i was cleaning the things out of my room you know kids who stay late for aftercare and were with you know latchkey or you know after school programming whatever you know, like kept coming up to me. It's like, oh, Mr. Harris, I hope you're, you look, I hope you had a great time. You know, like, I love you so much. Can I have a piece of candy? I, I love you so much. I'll see you Monday. I'll see you Monday. Like, yeah, you won't see me Monday, buddy. So, um, <clears throat> this has been a really trying time for me because for like, for the, like, for the first time in a long time, I am not teaching. And it's really scary. So I thought that, um, and this is not just about, you know, me being terminated. That's a whole nother discussion. (laughs) But I think what the greater discussion has to be is how does teacher turnover affect, you know, students locally? And then how is it, a larger conversation nationally Um, because when you terminate or you fire a teacher, a good teacher. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's assume that we're talking about good teachers here. Um, When you fire or you terminate a good teacher and by good, I'm defining that as, and you can feel free to add on, but someone who uh, has really strong relationships with, a variety of stakeholders in education in the in the building. Um, someone who has really solid instruction, somebody who's really committed to learning. Um, somebody who's just like, you know, a part moving kids forward. Moving kids forward and just a part of the school community. When you let one of those teachers go or one of those teachers don't return or they quit, like Ultimately, the students suffer. Yep. Um, so my first question for you really is, in elementary school, was teacher turnover a thing? Or school in general? I've never had a teacher leave mid-year. And, like, quickly rolling back through all of my teachers... I remember the teacher, the teams of teachers being there the entire year. So I know I, I looped with my second grade teacher to third grade. Um, and those teachers had been there for quite some time. Fourth grade, that was an all new team, but like we made it through the year. I, I don't have any memories of, of that. And I, I also wonder if the job just wasn't as stressful then. And the contributing factors that do lead to teen, teacher teen, 
oh my goodness, the contributing factors that do lead to teacher turnover just weren't as high stakes then, I guess. I don't know. What about you? I often wonder if it was a generational thing. like That too. Because I know like my grandparents, my aunts, like the older folk in my family, like working decades at one place is like a thing. You know, like loyalty, like in in that way, like like that's a real thing. Um, It's not so much a thing anymore. Not saying that it's that it's a bad thing. But I think our um, oh, go ahead. No, I I was gonna say like most like I feel like teachers staying at one school for a long period of time is not a thing currently as it was back in the day. I don't want to say it's like millennials, but I do know with my circle of friends and people my age, a lot of us are not hesitant to move if we are not happy or that we see that there's a chance to do, not necessarily do something else, but to try something new out or to move to a new location where we are not those those connections to schools and to companies and to businesses, they're not there for us. Um, And I think we also have the realization that if something were to happen to us, those positions would be filled and, you know, the world keeps going. Like it will not stop because we're not there. And because of that, I, I think none of us have any, any issue if we're not happy out of school you know, you might understand that you're not happy in like October, November, and you start looking for a new home, a new school for you. And no one has an issue with that. And to be told, like, I even had, after my first year, I had family members saying, no, 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 you need to stay there like two or three years so that it looks solid on your resume because you don't want to see like where you're popping around from school to school to school. And I'm just like, but I want to move somewhere else. My mom tells me that all the time. And I like, I get it. I get how it can kind of look like raise eyebrows. But if I am trying to find the place where I would like to be for a few years to like plant my feet, then it may take two or three schools before that. And I don't see an issue with it. Yeah, I don't think neither you or I are at the first school that we started at in our careers. No. No. And so I think with that, like... One thing they don't tell you in undergrad is the school that you decide to work at in the beginning years will really help to define your career. And so we have to be careful about the schools that we pick and ensuring that we ask the right questions. We fill out leadership. We fill out the teaching staff. We know what our teaching philosophy is and that we are getting in a, in a space where we're going to be able to grow so that so many of us are not having these traumatic experiences in our first years. And then like we're out by year two, year three, year four. Um, I think so many people are also afraid of change. Like the the idea that I won't be able to find a new school. Um, I I haven't experienced it in Texas, but I know a lot of people do have difficulty 
finding teaching positions. And so it leads them to want to latch on to where they are. But I strongly believe in you taking that risk and find like there is a place for you. And it very well may not be where you start out. And that is okay. But you need to you, like own, recognizing that and owning that and taking the steps for to find the place for you, though. You try to even if it means no, yeah. <laughs> maybe even if it means changing districts. And I like people are afraid of changing districts. I get questions all the time when I I left like a huge district and went to a much smaller one. And people were like, "Well, how did you do that? How did you do that? How did you do that?" I applied and decided I wanted to go somewhere else. Like once you get that in your mind, you need to follow it through and see it through. And those teachers that leave voluntarily, like more power to you because we're in this work for the long haul and we have to make sure that we are healthy, that we are supported, that we are create, like have the space to be creative and that we're ultimately in a space where we feel most fulfilled. Um, however, like there are schools that terminate good teachers on top of teachers that leave that then create this gap in schools that I don't think is healthy for children. You know, one thing I think that makes schools well my schooling experience special was coming back that next year and and seeing your old teachers and being like I conquered that right or talking to or seeing you know teachers that you're gonna have next year and then actually having them um or being able to give advice to the kids who are younger to you about a particular teacher or being able to get advice from upperclassmen or older children who, you know, are going through a class that you'll have in the future. Like, there's something special about that type of school community that is missing when turnover is um, a part of the school culture. Um, you know, we have talked about on this podcast, and everybody says it all the time, relationships, 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 relationships. But what does it really say uh, about the relationships that you have when every time you make a, re a relationship with a teacher and then they leave? Yeah. Or you come in and, like it, you come in in August and you don't recognize any of the faces. Nobody's like, like, I'm really curious on like what that does to students like the thoughts about school. And thoughts about themselves. So my first year, I go back and forth with how much to share. Um, it was at a school with very high turnover. Teachers quit and were asked to leave quite regularly. So lot, lots of turnover. And at the end of the year, kids were literally, are you going to be here next year? Are you going to be here next year? And In August. Right. Um, and it was very difficult because when those questions started coming, like I knew I wasn't going to be there. But like you don't. You don't tell a child that um, and they look around and they see teachers who are clearly checked out, teachers who like it's obvious that they're not going to be returning. And you, as a child, you come back in August and 
You don't know what to expect. It's a whole new ball game. What about like when admin changes like that too? Like you've been at this school since you were in kindergarten and every year you come in, like it's a whole new game. You don't know what to expect. And then we wonder, oh, well, why are these kids' behaviors off the chain? Or why is this school out of control? Oh, because they don't know anyone. And at the end of the day, like they have to get to know these people. Kids are going to test, you know, those new adults because they want to see like, is this person here for me? But like the teacher turnover rate ultimately just create like this revolving door. It cannot be healthy um, because schools are ultimately about traditions as well. Right. And it's hard to build traditions with a new staff every single year. Because you have to train them on things that you shouldn't have to talk about. Like, you can't really move on when you have to teach somebody something new every single year. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like having new kids every single day. It's like, we can't move on if I constantly have to teach you what the routines and procedures are of of the class or of the school. We're not going to get very far. No, absolutely not. Um, but it's rough. I've mostly worked in places that have high turnover. Um, and I've seen schools with high turnover mostly affect black students and students of color mostly. Um, and I'm sure that that's not surprising. <laughs> of course not. No. The things that we ask of teachers at schools that serve black and brown children are not the same things you ask of teachers where the population doesn't match. And I've had a wide range of experience experiences. Um, so seeing what's expected on different sides of the spectrum, it makes... I I hate to say that it makes sense that teachers leave, but the things and practices teachers are asked to do, it's not sustainable. And so like once people see, you know, there is another school where I'm not forced to do X, Y, Z and all this extra stuff, you know, like why it's almost like, why would you stay? Which it sounds awful to say, right? Absolutely. And I think, why would you stay? And then what's keeping you from being dismissed? You know, you said on this show several times, if something happened to you or if somebody wanted to get rid of you, they would and they were re- they would replace you in a second. Mm-hmm. And what's odd to me about terminating teachers is that if we truly acknowledge that relationships are the, the foundation of our work and we dismiss good teachers (laughs) based on uh, personal things or based on podcasts or things that have nothing to do with actual job performance, it's like we are, ignoring um, and disservicing the children that we say that we care so much about. Um, Yeah. The kids I've seen in classes where 
the teacher is either dismissed or leaves mid-year, you you can't typically get those kids back on track. It takes a lot. Because it takes a lot, right? It's it's like the beginning of the year again, and those kids are going to test this teacher because the teacher we've had from the beginning is gone. So who were you? And that's one thing that I thought about over this this week was like, well, I, I wonder how my students were, are doing. I wonder how they are transitioning. I wonder how they are, um, you know, reflecting over this experience. You know, yet again, like I have no, I had no way of wrapping things up with them. Um, I left them an anchor chart that said, like, never lose your voice. Always advocate for yourself. Um, and that I love them, but, you know, I don't really know how things were messaged to them. Right. So I don't know how they are transitioning. I I don't know how they think about me. Right. You know, like one thing that I told people around me was like, please make sure that my kids know that I didn't abandon them. Please make sure that they know that I didn't leave them or that I didn't quit on them. Um, like, like, like that is the most heartbreaking piece of me, you know, of this whole experience is that, you know, and a whole heartbreaking thing about teacher turnover period is that foundation, you know, relationships are the foundation of our work. And so when you wake up and the person that you trusted, the person that you just spent the whole year with, the person who taught you how to read, the person who inspired you, the person who gave you food when, when you didn't have any, the person who let you sleep when you when you didn't sleep the night before, the person who like gave you those lessons that that finally gave you that aha moment that school was worth it, right? It's like when they don't come back or when they are dismissed, um, like, uh, it just tugs on my heartstrings. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm, you know, it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. Yeah. It is rough. Yeah. So that has been like one thing that has been on my mind is like, you know, how kids, how kids cope um, with the loss of a teacher. Um, because, you know, especially in, in elementary schools, right? Because, it's not like it's a different type of relationship. Right. And ultimately like we don't have access to them the way like if say if they were like a middle school student or a high school student who's in, like involved in social media or like things like that like like they're kid kids. You, you know like I can't call them <laughs> and be like y'all good? No. No, you cannot. You know like <laughs> I can't call them or I you know, you know, like, like there's no way to interact with them. Um, I think what else makes it really like heartbreaking for me is that for children who are so often told through either explicit means or like inexplicitly that who they are and their experiences don't matter for them, for their teacher to then be snatched away, right? Without any, any closure, any rhyme or reason described to them, like that just it adds on to that, and so why would we ever want to do that to children? Which further tells the narrative that teachers don't matter. Which like if it furthers the narrative that teachers don't matter, our our per, our jobs and professions are that we are replaceable, that we have no stake in 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 
in the schools that we serve, that we are just like warm bodies in a room. Like, yeah. like that's what teacher turn, like that's the painting that teacher turnover illustrates for me. Um, and what's sad about all of this um, is that it's not a, just a me thing. You know what I'm saying? It's not just a you thing either. Like, it's a national issue. So I took the time to look up some statistics for teacher turnover. And this these numbers are specifically linked to Black educators and the rates at which they leave in comparison to other racial groups. So before 1990, Black teachers left the classroom or the profession as a whole at a much lower percentage than those of other racial backgrounds. So like less than 7% of Black educators were leaving. 2000 all the way to 2013, um, Black teachers are now leaving at rates over 9%. Um, The 2012 to 2013 school year, 10% of Black teachers left. Wow. And Right. And we know our numbers are small already. Like we only make up six to seven percent of the public teaching force and for ten percent of that to leave that's a huge amount um like what how does that directly impact children who like 15 to 15 to 16 percent of the children we serve in our country are um are black and for that percentage of black teachers to be leaving every year yeah. I want to also share, um, as I shared two episodes ago, but I'll share it again, which is just a quick report from the uh from the minority teacher recruitment. Um and what they did was they talked about the reasons for dissatisfaction with the profession um from teachers of color. And so eighty one percent of teachers of color feel dissatisfied with their administration. Uh, 65% dissatisfied with accountability and testing. 61% um, talked about student discipline problems. 51% talked about the lack of influence and autonomy. 56% mentioned uh, poor work con- workplace conditions. 40, 46% classroom intrusions. 39% mm. poor salary and benefits. Uh, 31% dissatisfied with teaching assignments and 23% class size is too large. That is right in line with all of the reasons that I was going to share. The top three reasons that they found in the study were insufficient salary, large class sizes, and lack of administrative support. Which are things we're still crying about today. Well, not crying, but, you know, hollering about in 2018. Which, again... Our experiences, the things that and and what people say, you know, to us online that we share on this podcast, these are not new. And we hope that like what you take away from this podcast, you know, over time is that like like we're just like a a real life example of real things that happen. I am a statistic and that's hard to swallow. As I sit on my couch and watch my soaps at one thirty p.m. when I should be teaching social studies, uh, 
<laughs> right? Like that sucks. Um, yeah. It sucks. But it's also sad to know that schools are always hiring. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that that's bittersweet. You know, like it's bittersweet to like have people call me and be like, okay, like we're ready to have you. Like, you want to talk to such and such, or like such and such is is hiring. Such and such is like like we have a position over here. We have a position over there. Um. And it cannot be completely honest in the fact where I don't know if I want to be a mid-year teacher. Yeah, I've heard that it's it's really difficult. I had a friend who stepped into a mid-year position and she spent all year trying to re- like not recover, but like just trying to get a grasp on it. Yeah, I don't know if that's for me. Um it would have to be in a school that is really together, but I I'm really reluctant to be a teacher, like to jump in mid year, like in October, November. Um, maybe January would be different, but not November. No, no. So I'm probably not gonna teach again until twenty eighteen. Um depending on like what I find and what, and what I see. Do you mean 2019? That's what I meant to say. <laughs> and that's like, I mean, we got a classroom for you tomorrow. I know, right. And that's completely my choice. You know, like I've never chosen schools off of a whim. Choosing a school is a huge deal. That's what I'm noticing. And going through these, like the, like the reasons of dissatisfaction, it's like, I want to be able to take this list and, take that into an interview and check, 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 like filling things out. Like how is the administration? Interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing Ooh, you. Oh, come on with a word, you know, very much so. Like we have to make sure that we are in a good fit and a good spot to be in um, be- because I do want to stay at, at one school and grow with a group of kids or like, a school community like that is something that I desire to do. Um, but that won't happen off of a whim. Like I have to really do my research and I was not planning to research schools. So, <laughs> yeah. so I have, I'm, I'm going to take my time with that. And luckily I've been saving. So that's a good thing. Yes. Come on. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So that's good. Teaching turnover, man. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's not. Not for kids, not for teachers. But it's but not. especially not for kids, man. Um, especially not for kids. I think a couple of takeaway points is like, as you just said, when you interview, like take your time with that. Get in that school on a random weekday you know, ask to get a tour, ask to come in and observe, like really get a strong sense of who you're working with um, and the school community that you're going to be a part of. Do your research, ask the best questions that you can um, because you you want to be in a space and a place where you're going to be supported. And if you're not going to... I do have... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm going to... Because if I don't say it, I'm going to forget. 
I, if you are in an area where there is a teacher union, I would highly recommend reaching out to the teachers union and asking. And they won't give, you know, explicit details, but asking about the the interaction they have with teachers from that campus, because that can make or break your experience there. So when I was looking for schools coming out of undergrad, I would reach out to the union like, hey, you know, do you hear a lot of complaints from teachers at this school? And if they said, yep, I'm like, okay, we're just going to go ahead and cross that one off. Because if teachers are complaining to the union, there's probably some things going on that shouldn't be going on. So that's also something to maybe consider reaching out to the union and asking what teachers are experiencing at that school. And for those of you who are working at schools that are at will, where or there are no teachers unions, you need to make sure that you ask about the disciplinary process for teachers. You need to make sure that you know what your rights are. Um, even though you are at will, that does not mean that you do not have rights, okay? I met with an attorney today, and she definitely let me know that. So <laughs> that is really important. You ask about um, appeals. You ask about written um, written write-ups, uh, terminations, suspensions, all those things. Like, like, like you make sure that you know what's going on. Don't allow schools to scare you with the with the at will clause um so really know what's going on and if a school is throwing that in your face or a principal or an administrator is throwing that you are an at will employee like to your face like that's not going to be the school for you and if they're not forthcoming with this information real talk yeah if you don't sign the if you did not sign a handbook then you did not see the handbook real talk Know your rights. Know your rights. They ain't going to tell you that undergrad. Real talk. They will not. If if you didn't get that handbook in your hand, hard copy, you ain't get it. You ain't see it. So you're not responsible for that stuff. But make sure that you know, you know what I'm saying? Like what's going on so that you you can prepare yourself. If you are a me and teacher turnover is a thing for you, uh, you had to leave or you were terminated, like me, or you uh, uh, left at the end of the year, like, it really tells you to how every moment counts. And so make sure that you leave those kids with strong memories, with good memories, that you are doing everything that you can every single day so that if you do leave short notice, that they have nothing but positive things to say about you and your class and your instruction and who you are as a person. Um, ultimately, everyone is different. Everyone's educational journey is is going to look differently, <laughs> clearly. Uh, and, yeah. you know, guys, we are in this work for the long haul, but there are some things that we can do differently. Um as teachers, certainly administrators and principals, and certainly the system that we work under, um, man, these these uh, workers' laws nationally suck. I learned that. Oh yeah. As well, um, and so yeah, we gotta do we we gotta do better because. You know, putting your work in at a, at a school certainly pays off for the kids that 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 we serve. <sighs> so, 
thank you for sharing that with oh, us. Oh, thank you. I imagine that was very um, difficult to do. So thank you. Well, thank you. I was embarrassed for a second, but then I realized there are a lot worse things to be fired for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, there are. You know what I'm saying? I could have been fired because I was late. I could have been fired because... You know, I was a bad teacher or like I said something and destroyed a relationship with a kid that rocked the school community. But me being outspoken on a podcast. Oh, I'll take that. I will take that. (laughs) And on that note, we're going to take a break right here and we'll be right back. Yeah. And we're back. If you have any questions for us, you can send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or through our website at commonsensepod.com. I have questions for you. Are you ready? For us. I'm ready. Well, us, yes. Okay. Our first question says, I hope I do this justice. Oh, just take a deep breath before you start. And don't be crazy. I won't. How can I address racism in my school when it shows up in the form of black and brown kids being written up for behavior referrals at a rate six times that of their white peers? I'm white, and most of our teachers are white, as are our admin. I've brought up the data to my principal and to staff at staff meetings. Nothing changes. Whoa. Right? That's like the first response to that. Like just heavy sighing. That's tough. It's systemic. She got her numbers together. Six times out of their white peers. Wow. Okay. Okay. I think this week I've had more instances where the research about black and brown children being disciplined at higher rates than their white peers has like come to the forefront several times this week. And it's just sickening to see it played out in in classrooms and to hear it actually coming from other educators because there's this degree of distance between you and research, right? Like we accept research, mm. we read it, we talk about it. But that mm. didn't happen to us. That didn't happen to the kids in our school or the kids at the school down the street. But when you start to talk to people who like this is literally happening, you're like, okay, wait, like maybe not saying like you didn't think it was real before, but like now it's really real. I. Okay. Okay. Calm down. So I think for me. Okay. What she asked, what can she do? Well, first of all, you're already doing something. So let's clap it up for her. Good job. Yeah, because she's already gathering the data. She's finding trends. And she's presenting it to the appropriate people in her building. Document that, sis. Document that. I think ultimately she's going to have to make this a big deal. Well, okay, I'm seeing two things. One, she has to do her job, right? Yeah. And... I want my advice to you. My first piece of advice would is to be the safe space in the building for those kids. 
we can't control other adults in the building. It is not helpful to undermine other adults in front of children. Um, it's wait, or 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 is it? No, it's not really that helpful, is it? I would I would say it depends. I don't know. Is it? It depends. Okay. If if you feel so comfortable, if you see situations happening in the hallway, you might want to pull an Eon Levan Zan and say, Not on my watch. <laughs> would another black or brown student get written up for some silly shit? Um hmm. I think too, this is something that I will I will take myself right to Microsoft Excel, create some charts, and it's something I will put on paper. Like your parents might want to see this. I'm wondering. You know? So in Texas, you can look at this data, and you can pull it up. But a lot of people don't know that. Um, I'm wondering too. Like even if she does type it up and show it to people, if they're just going to say, "Oh, well, they they do these things more." You know, because people really hold those beliefs that black and brown children just do wrong more. So then you're pushing against their beliefs of what these children are capable of. But the reality is, is that, is that they don't. And so like exactly, she has yeah. to, they're just being penalized more for it. So she just has to figure out how can she showcase that? Um, or she can just make a really compelling argument that it doesn't happen. And if you're a teacher that has like a strong reputation at your school, then people will. And if you think people will believe you, then put that then put that out there. And I don't know if you work for a public, private or charter, but this is something that I would definitely take to a board or to um, a super or something to that degree. And like, let them know how concerned you are. Like, even though people don't listen to our voices if people like see things like that and they, and they want to get ahead of it, um, then they would hear you out. But I don't want you to go another month allowing the same things to happen. Um, especially when you've tried to come with a plan. So I would say, you know, write some solutions down and continue being a fantastic teacher to your kids a woke teacher to your kids. And, um, you know, that's what allyship is about. Shout out to you, ally of the week. I wonder if it's also worth noting whenever, whatever you decide to do with this data, worth noting what the kids are being written up for and making observations of what happens to other kids that do the same or exhibit the same behaviors and actions. I'm going to reach out to this teacher and I'm going to send them $6 to go buy a notepad and a pen to carry in their back pocket, like PI private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. You need a, you need a paper and a pen everywhere you go. So you can catch yeah. those moments. Real talk. It's really happening out there. <laughs> it's, it's sad. It really is sad. Yeah, Because you, 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 yeah, we won't talk in circles about it. Yeah. Okay. Keep up the good work, though. You ready for the next question? Let's get it. Do you have any book recommendations for an early elementary new teacher? I've already read Harry Wong. <laughs> Take it away, Antonia. 
Well, if you've read Harry Wong, I I want you to take the book and like throw it away. Whoa. Okay, hold on. Hold on now. I I re- <laughs> Okay. What? Yes. Tell tell the people who Harry Wong are cuz not everybody is a teacher. Harry Wong, and you may have more to add on it, because I've never gone to any training by him, and I've only flipped through the book and decided that I would never do any of the things in the book. Um, so it's like the first days of school, isn't it? That what isn't that what it's called? That's and, Harry Wong. Yeah, and so it's basically a book of routines and procedures to teach kids. Well, there goes our Harry Wong sponsorship. <laughs> Were you waiting on one? <laughs> <laughs> I might be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um get rid of the Harry Wong. I have other great books that you can use. Books are my thing. So I will start with saying I highly recommend Black Ants and Buddhists by Mary Cowhay. And I apologize if I said her name wrong. Um it's an uh, a neat little book about thinking critically and teaching differently in the primary grades. And she kind of goes through a year of her teaching first grade um, through just an amazing lens and, and several activities that she does in her classroom. I go back to that book quite often. Um, it was given to me in a course during my undergrad um, years. And I'm so glad that the teacher had that on the book list. Another book is The New Teacher Book from Rethinking Schools. That book got me through my first year of teaching, and I still turn back to it. A book I really, really enjoy for math instruction that has really shifted the way that I teach math and the way I get children to talk about numbers is Intentional Talk by, and I I probably am going to pronounce the name wrong, and I'm so sorry. It's by Elham Kazimi and Allison Hentz. That was given to me during a math methods course and completely shifted my frame of thinking for math instruction. And then another Rethinking Schools publication, Teaching for Black Lives, which came out recently, and I cannot recommend it enough. And then last one is Black Teachers on Teaching by Michelle Foster. Woo! I recommend that one to everybody. Yeah. If you really want a program like a first days of school uh, uh, or a Harry Wong, I would recommend going the responsive classroom route and getting the responsive classroom book and the first six weeks of school, not just the first days. Okay. That's the only book recommendation you got, Patrick? Well, I, I, I okay, well, don't throw me under the bus. I'm just... <laughs> Adding on because I just want to that's close great, the loop. <laughs> I yeah, I think that's a great loop. recommendation as I a replacement. Read, guys, don't worry. Can't be a friend <laughs> of hers and not read. Um, I I think those those are really anchor texts for me though that I go back to often. So cool. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up there, guys. If you have any questions, please send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com or visit our website at www.commonsensepod.com. I know we got a quote this week. Yes, it comes from a book by Sonia Nieto. It's called What Keeps Teachers Going. First of all, I haven't heard this yet, so I'm really excited. So surprise me. 
Not Montessori this week. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the Montessori sponsorship at? Okay, sorry. (laughs) That was the fakest lab I've also ever heard you to do. Don't do that. Really? Yes, that's awful. I'm sorry, sorry. you can cut it out if you need to. (laughs) No, I'm going to keep it in. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hope explains why many teachers, in spite of the hardships and low status and working conditions, continue to teach. Hope is at the very essence of teaching. In all my years of working with teachers, I have found that hope is perhaps the one quality that all good teachers share. Go ahead and do your sermon for us. I mean, hope is the very thing that keeps me going. I mean, hope is the thing that is pushing me to apply for new schools. Hope is the thing that has pushed me to go to new schools after I've, you know, left a a previous school, like, Without hope, without faith, like we can't do this work in education because it's too complicated. It, it there are too many bad moments. The system is too complex. Um, you, you know there are too many things happening in our world, and so it, if you have no faith or no hope to see the future, to see things before they happen, then it's it's going to be extremely difficult to move forward and we cannot continue this revolving door in schools because we know that schools are like are the battlefield that the real work happens yes people in in academia are important yes people in district offices are important but teachers are the soldiers that that fight this war every single day and that people are not catering to our needs, then my friends, we are always going to be without ammunition. And so we have to um, keep the faith, keep hope alive, and we got to keep it going because we are the most important people in this work. That makes me think of Hebrews 11 and 1. And it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, now. Amen. Amen. I just want to thank everybody who has been so supportive during this trying time in my life. Can't have no testimony without no test. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's time for you to... uh... Um, honestly, though, I just want to thank everybody for their kind words. Um, you know, this is really shocking, um, is extremely hurtful. But as I said earlier in the show, like, this is something that I can handle. And I'm hoping that by me sharing this, that people feel inspired, that people feel like they're not alone, that um, people feel like it's not just them. Because um, that's how I felt the first couple of days. Um mm-hmm. And so we are going to continue to move forward. Uh, It's hard to imagine my life not in the classroom. It's like that very thing that my life was surrounded around. It's like gone, vanished, taken away from me. Not vanished, taken away from me. And that is very hard to kind of sit with. But I'm grateful for my village. Like, my village has showed out these last week. Like, this last week has been fantastic. Um, 
So thank you, everybody, for your kind words. Please keep me in your thoughts and prayers as I look for the next school to take my talents. <laughs> I'm a free agent. Who going to pick me up? Who going to pick me up? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Like, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, some some people have asked how, like, how my parents taking this. My parents are extremely proud of me. My 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 siblings are extremely proud of me. Like, they are proud of me because they're like, look, you've always had a big voice. Like, you've always gone against the like gone against the grain, and we're not gonna have you like back down on that. Like, stick with stick with your words because. Things don't change by doing the same thing. Things change because people change. And when we decide to change and do something different, then people will, you know, catch up with us. I mean, Mark Lamont Hill said it two weeks ago at the Black Man. He literally prophesized my whole life. Talking about, who, y'all, y'all ain't prepared to be fired for this work, though. Uh, I didn't promise you was going to keep your job. He, you you talking about me? Uh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> and we literally recorded the podcast literally like an hour after that, and here I am, fired, unemployed, with my cat, eating Chick Fil A at twelve p.m. No, it's fine. No, honestly, I'm not sad. I'm not mad. Like, I am so content with my life and where I am right now. I'm buying a ticket to Miami. So I can go to Miami in the middle of the week while y'all are doing y'all lessons. And oh. I'm going to continue to do this part. Oh, I didn't tell you that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a trip to Miami just to kind of clear my mind on the beach. Um, and, and then I'll come back and, you know, continue to look for schools and visit schools. And, you know, maybe we can see what's up with that teacher power thing while I'm off. Um. Yeah. So that's that. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for your support. Keep me in your thoughts and prayers, and um, we look forward to continue having this conversation. Now, just because I'm not teaching does not mean that I will not be on this show talking about teaching because I'm still a teacher at heart. You know what I'm saying? You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Okay. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 